From the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's program, opacifying IOLs. They were moving from transparent to becoming really white, and they were becoming white because calcium phosphate was precipitating on the lens or within the lens, totally becoming opaque. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. As a member of the Scientific Advisory Board of Visiogen, Dr. Werner declares consulting fees for that company. Do you enjoy the programs you hear in this podcast? Why not contribute to the conversation by calling our listener response lines? Share your expertise about an issue we've discussed by calling. In the United States, dial area code 646 808-0231. That's a local New York number. In the United Kingdom, dial 020-7558-8275. That's a local London number. You can also ask questions of any guest who has appeared on the podcast. Then your question will be relayed to the guest, and your question and the guest's answer will appear on the following podcast. Go ahead. Try it out. It's cool. An elderly patient with a visually significant cataract presents to you for consultation for cataract surgery. She asks a question that comes naturally to many patients. Will the cataract ever come back? You reassure her that it never will, and surgery proceeds without event. Then, three years later, she comes back to you and the cataract has come back. No, there's no opacity of the posterior capsule. The IOL itself has opacified. What's going on? To answer that question for us, I have as my guest today Liliana Werner, who has just published on the subject in this month's issue of the American Journal of Ophthalmology. First of all, just by way of background, Mm -hmm. can I have you describe why these lenses were explanted? Okay. So this issue of dystrophy calcification of hydrophilic acrylic lenses is going on, to the best of my knowledge, since 1999. I think it started at the end of 1999. And one important thing to mention is that we should not generalize saying that all hydrophilic acrylic lenses calcify. There are many, many different hydrophilic acrylic materials. There are different manufacturers. And there, I'm aware of many hydrophilic acrylic lenses that never calcify. So I think this is very important to, to mention. To the best of my knowledge, there are four major designs that presented the problem of dystrophic calcification. And the first one was the HydroView lens uh, that was manufactured by Bausch & Lomb. And then also there was a lens named SC60BOV that was the model of the the lens manufactured by Medical Developmental Research. Mm -hmm. And also the AquaSense design manufactured by Ophthalmic Innovations International. And finally, the memory lens that was manufactured by Cibavision. And Cibavision was bought by a company in France named IOL Tech. And IOL Tech was bought by Zeiss. So ultimately, currently, it's a Zeiss lens. From a clinical standpoint, for these patients clinically, why why were these lenses explanted? Okay. So, of course, if you have an intraocular lens inside the eye, you want the lens to be transparent. 
right? I mean, yeah, of course. the optics transparent. So those lenses were opacifying in a late postoperative period, like after one or two years, they would start to become white inside the eye. So, of course, you can imagine that this was associated with a decrease in the visual acuity of the patient, sometimes with glare. I mean, all the, the visual function in general was decreasing. And some of the lenses were really white, totally white, like a shell. These are not lenses that just had little flecks in the optic. These are, these are lenses that, you know, that genuinely presented with um, visual problems for these patients. Oh, yeah, sure. They, they were moving from transparent to becoming really white. And they were becoming white because calcium phosphate was precipitating on the lens or within the lens. So ultimately, they were totally becoming opaque. So the symptoms that these patients had weren't subtle. I mean, it wasn't a patient coming in complaining of, you know, glare if there's mm -hmm. some bright light. Uh, this is someone who is coming in complaining of real degradation of vision. Exactly. Especially a progressive decrease in the visual acuity and glare also. Those were the, the most important things. In the context of this paper, we're going to be making the distinction between the acrylic hydrophilic and hydrophobic lenses. Can I have oh, I you just... Oh, I think this is really great. This great. Is really so, great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's, let's have you just describe what, what the difference is between the acrylic hydrophilic lenses and the acrylic hydrophobic lenses. Okay, so I'll give you just a small background on IOL material, very simple. You have materials that are rigid and materials that are foldable. The rigid material is an acrylic material that's PMMA. So we forget about that and we go to the foldable lenses. These are all foldable lenses. Foldable lenses, they are made of silicone materials or acrylic materials. And acrylic materials that are foldable, they can be hydrophilic or hydrophobic. So what's the difference? The difference is the water content. So the hydrophilic acrylic lenses have uh, higher water content. It means... Um, it ranges from 18 to 38% water. The hydrophobic acrylic lenses, they have a very low water content. It's less than 1%. So it's pretty much this. Are there any inherent advantages to hydrophilic acrylic lenses over hydrophobic lenses? In terms of what I call uveal biocompatibility, there are many different clinical studies showing that all these materials perform well in terms of biocompatibility, but the hydrophilic acrylic lenses perform very well. It means the eyes are very calm after implantation of hydrophilic acrylic lenses. So, however, in terms of capsular biocompatibility, the studies in general show that there is um, association between hydrophilic acrylic lenses and more posterior capsule opacification. But this is mostly related to the design. If you have a lens that has a square posterior optic edge, it's going to prevent posterior capsule opacification no, more, no matter if it's hydrophobic or hydrophilic. When you observe the deposits in these lenses, are they always in the same part of the lens? Are they always on the lens surface? Yeah, so that's what I wanted to make the distinction then. So very important to, to highlight that not all hydrophilic acrylic lenses available calcify. There are many, each hydrophilic acrylic material is actually a totally different material. They are not all the same. And I'm aware of many that never calcified. So I'm aware of four major designs that calcified. 
significantly. And the memory lens and the hydro view, they had deposits mostly on the surface of the lens. While the SC60BOV and the AquaSense, they had deposits uh, on the surface and inside, but mostly within the substance, the optic substance of the lens. So they were not all the same in the same way. Can I have you describe the design of this study? What happened is that as a small background, there is a reference by a group in Canada, that's the group of Dr. Dore. And some years ago, they uh, published in the American Journal also a very interesting paper about the hydroview lens. The hydroview lens was the first one that was presenting this problem of calcification. And they described in that paper that they found the, the element silicon on the surfaces of those lenses that were calcifying. And they found the element silicon especially in relation with the calcified deposits. So they used a technique of transmission electromicroscopy coupled with um, elemental analysis. And I went through that paper and I found it really very interesting. And with the time, I was observing that other designs were also calcifying. For example, the memory lanes, the SC60BOV and the AquaSense. So then I thought, why not to try to see if we can find the element silicon also in relation with these lenses? Maybe the element silicon is also in relationship with the problem of calcification of these other designs. So we did more or less the same thing as Doré in Canada. Uh, we got 20 memory lenses that were explanted from patients that had the problem of calcification. And we got, I think, 10 SC60BOV and 10 AquaSense lenses that were also explanted because of the problem of calcification. The first thing we did is to do growth analysis and light microscopy and use some histochemical stains for calcium to make sure that we're dealing with something that looked like calcification of the lenses. And then we got each lens and we submit for analysis of scanning electron microscopy with analysis of element composition. And that's the only difference between our study and the study by Dore is that we used three different designs and we also use scanning electron microscopy with surface analysis while he did transmission electron microscopy with surface analysis. But the information is pretty much the same. And we found more or less the same thing. We found the element silicon in all areas analyzed and especially in associ association with the calcified deposits. And uh, we were concerned about the problem of contamination of lenses in general by the element silicon because this is an element that you find everywhere. So we processed some control lenses that were explained because of other unrelated problems just to see if by doing the manipulation for the examination, we would also find the silicon element just by contamination. But actually we found just in one lens which means that we are pretty confident that whatever we found in the hydrophilic acrylic lenses we analyzed is probably related to the problem of calcification somehow. Had these been patients with complicated cataract surgery or had they had complications during cataract surgery? So actually in the paper this is described and if you see the table one, mm -hmm. in general all the lenses we got are from procedures that were uneventful 
and the patients didn't have much in association with the problem of cataract. Some patients had, that you can see in the table one, diabetes, hypertension, things like that in, in the three group of lenses, but this is really not uncommon in the, the cataract population in general. But all the procedures were uneventful. What is the relationship um, biologically between silicon and deposition of, of calcium? Yeah, this, in the paper also I cited many references saying that uh, you always find the element silicon in, in tissues that have calcification, for example, uh, in bone tissue. That's why since the very beginning of the problem of calcification, the manufacturers are looking for the possibility of a contamination with silicon compounds or silicon elements or things like that. Because uh, silicon can be found in the nucleation sites for, for bone deposition. What is the typical interval between implantation of the intraocular lens and development of the calcium deposition? Mm -hmm. We tried to analyze that. It was a little bit difficult because there are two points. One point is that we have the interval between the implantation of the lens and the explantation of the lens. But you also have the interval between the implantation and when the surgeon first time observed the problem. And sometimes there is a delay. Uh, you observe that there is a problem with the lens, but you explain the lens many months after that. So sometimes we could not make the difference between when the problem was first observed and when the lens was really explanted. But generally, the memory lenses that we use in this study were explanted at around 30 months after implantation, and the SC60B lenses were explanted at around 20 months, and the Aquasense lenses were explanted at around 60 months. So we had the impression that the Aquasense lenses were calcifying faster during the first year after implantation. But it could be also because by the time they calcified, um, the ophthalmology of ophthalmic community knew about the problem already, so they were explanting a little bit faster. We don't know. But we had the impression that the Aquasense lenses were calcifying faster and the memory lens a little bit later. But you would observe this during the first year or in the second year after the surgery. Liliana, I'd like to talk in a little more detail about the experience with the Bausch & Lomb HydroView lens. Mm -hmm. Now, that lens was around long before 1999, and you, you say that the first reported cases of calcification with the lens were reported in 1999. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if there's anything that changed in the lens um, between its initial introduction and exactly. when the calcium deposition was first noted clinically. Yeah, this I have to say that the research done by Bausch and Lomb in this point was very nicely done because it is exactly what you said. The lens were never calcifying and suddenly they started. And why? It, it was just when they changed the packaging. So they introduced this uh, surefold packaging and there are silicon components in this packaging. That's why when they first started um, analyzing the problem of calcification, they put this packaging in suspicion because of that. And in fact, they could demonstrate the contamination of the, silicon, of the hydroview lenses with silicon compounds that were probably coming from the components of the packaging. And there were many different in vitro models created to analyze that, and there is a very nice paper published by Guan and I think Nancolas 
and they demonstrate that this silicon contamination in conjunction with uh, fatty acids that you have in the aqueous humor and perhaps some patient factor would initiate the calcification. Then after that, they change back the packaging, and I'm not aware of hydrovulanes that calcified after the packaging was changed. The source of the silicon contamination was from the from the packaging, uh, not from the not packaging. from the uh, not from the excellence. No. Mm -hmm. Can I g get you to talk about what the clinical experience was with the AquaSense lens? The AquaSense lens, the clinical experience was more or less the same. I mean, the patient would complain about uh, decreasing visual acuity, glare, things like that. Uh, in our laboratory, we analyzed many lenses that calcified, and I think the AquaSense was the one that really had the the more intense calcification problem we saw because there were calcified deposits on the surface of the lens, but also within the lens. So many of the lenses we received were totally white, not only the optic component, but sometimes even the haptic component. So I think it was the more intense pattern we saw. What do you think that the mechanism is for deposition of calcium in the memory lens, and the lens that, that you worked on for this study? Mm -hmm. Well, the memory lens, uh, there was a specific uh, thing related to the manufacturing of the memory lens that was noted in 1999. Apparently, they changed the the process of polishing of the lens using a phosphate buffer, something like that. And actually, uh, we have different papers published on the memory lenses. One we analyzed more than 100 explanted lenses, and all those lenses came from the lenses manufacturer at that time with this new polishing process. So it appears that that polishing process they were using at that time had some influence in the problem. But I, I still think that the problem is multifactorial. It means if you get all lenses that were manufactured in 1999, all memory lenses, not all the lenses calcified. So although maybe the, the polishing process had an effect, this, this factor had to be in some kind of combination with other factors to initiate the problem. I can picture how interaction with uh, components of the aqueous can result in deposition of calcium on an intraocular lens surface. But how, how do the deposits form within the substance of the of the optic? I mean, they're they're not they're not interacting with the with the aqueous. Well, that's true. But you cannot forget that these lenses they have some porosity. They are not impermeable. Um, more than 20% of these lenses actually water within the whole substance of the lens. So actually, there could be a diffusion of minerals within the porosity of the material. And also in the aqua sense, if you think, there were deposits also on the surface, on the surface and within the lenses. So which one started first, we are not sure. If silicon is responsible for calcification, then why don't the silicone lenses opacify? Yeah, calcify. That's a very good question, and we still don't know. But we published papers on the calcification of silicon lenses, and maybe you are aware of that. It's a very interesting problem that we observed. Some patients had a vitreous condition named asteroid hyalosis. They have these asteroid bodies within the vitreous, and the composition of them is a little bit complex, but there is a lot of calcium hydroxyapatite inside these asteroid bodies. So we, we analyzed 
silicon lenses that were explanted because of this trophic calcification, but actually only in eyes with asteroid hyalosis. And it's very interesting because you would see the calcification only on the posterior surface of the lens. And whenever you do YAG laser, sometimes the, the surgeons could remove a, a little bit of the deposits. But then the posterior capsule was open and there was a direct contact between the, the vitreous and the posterior surface of the lens. So the process would start again and you'd see more and more deposits accumulating on the posterior surface of the lens. So silicon lenses can calcify. We observed very few cases. There are just five described in the literature, to the best of my knowledge, and only in eyes with asteroid hyalosis. But why they don't calcify in general, we still don't know. Now, I've seen some opacities in the optics of the Acrosoft lenses. Can I get you to talk about those a little bit? Yeah, well, maybe you're describing the glistenings, which is when you have... Um, water vacuoles within the, the material. And this is really more related with hydrophobic acrylic lenses. I mean, I saw these in Microsoft single piece, three piece. I saw this in the sensor lens. But I also saw this in different optic materials. You have papers describing glistenings in silicon lenses and even in PMMA lenses. But even if sometimes in this lit lamp you see a lot of glistenings within the Microsoft lens, we really do not receive lenses that were explanted because of clinically significant glistenings. So I don't know if it's a bias or not, but I, my impression uh, to date is that the glistenings are not really, um, they are visually significant, but they are not clinically significant. What are your recommendations for clinicians? It's funny, but although we publish a lot on that and different groups publish a lot of that, there are people that are not aware of that. And recently, we became aware of many patients, I think mostly with the memory lens, that had this dystrophic calcification. You know, with the memory lens, you have like a thin granularity on the surfaces, on the optic surfaces of the lens. And some surgeons did not know what was that. They thought maybe it's posterior capsule pacification, so they try YAG laser. And, you know, they, the patients would undergo procedures that were not really necessary. And, and some patients had complications, retinal complications, retinal detachment after that, I mean, endophthalmitis, many things because of secondary procedures that were done because the diagnosis of the dystrophic calcification was actually not made. So surgeons should be aware that there are many patients still all around with one of these designs that may eventually calcify because you don't see the calcification immediately after implantation. I mean, you can see that two or three years after implantation. So they should pay attention to that and look if there are deposits on the surface or within the lenses with a careful slit lamp examination. You really can see that the problem is on the lens or within the lens, not in the posterior capsule, not in the vitreous. And then you can avoid doing uh, YAG capsulotomy because then if you explant the lens, you can still try to put in the bag so to really facilitate the explantation procedure. Because once you have a clinical clinically significant opacification with calcification. I mean, there is nothing you can do. You really have to explain and exchange the links. There are some things I would like to highlight. One of them I did already is really the, uh, the information about the IOL materials. Because sometimes I see in the literature um, describing dystrophic calcification of acrylic lenses. So you did already the differentiation between hydrophilic and hydrophobic, very important. And also, 
people have to be aware that all hydrophilic acrylic lenses do not calcify. There are many designs that do not have the problems. There are some designs in Europe, uh, I'm aware of some sporadic cases of calcification, but then if you see the history of the patient, the patient is a very has a very complicated eye, like with uveitis or things like that. The only four designs that I, I am aware of a number, a significant number of explantations because of dystrophic calcification are those that we already mentioned. Another distinction, and I included this in the paper, I think is really important because in the literature you see uh, silicon without an E and you see silicon with an E and you have to make the differentiation between them. So in our study we analyzed the element silicon without E and we use techniques that analyze uh, the surface in uh, the elemental level. So the research done by Bausch and Lomb and the Aquasense manufacturers use techniques that analyze the surface on a molecular level. So the analysis were done in a different way. That's why when they analyzed, they found silicon compounds, why we found silicon element. So that's very important. And also it's important to differentiate silicon and silica because silicon is something that you can see um, compounds in forms that may be from liquid to rubber, while the silicon, uh, the silica is any compound with silicon dioxide that you see generally as glass or quartz. So I think those things are important because in the literature there is a big mix-up in all those terms. Liliana, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I think it was very interesting. Mm -hmm. Liliana Werner is assistant professor at the John A. Moran Eye Center at the University of Utah. Her paper, Role of Silicone Contamination on Calcification of Hydrophilic Acrylic Intraocular Lenses, appears in the January 2006 issue of the American Journal of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Werner or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines. In the United States, dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom, dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website at seenfromhere.com. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.